Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name's Graham Abbott and this is Classics Unlocked, a program brought to you by Universal Music and Classics Direct. For a very long time, it's been traditional to divide the life and career of Ludwig van Beethoven into three convenient periods, early, middle and late. Indeed, such a division was being suggested even before Beethoven had died. Many scholars, though, have tried to look at Beethoven's work from a different perspective, listing as many as five or more creative periods in the composer's life, and such views can always teach us something. However, the division into three periods has a lot to recommend it, and a lot of his music, the string quartets and the piano sonatas especially, fit this template rather neatly. In surveying Beethoven's piano sonatas for Classics Unlocked, I too have stayed with tradition, and in an earlier instalment I looked at the composer's early piano sonatas. These are the sonatas composed in the 18th century, from the three sonatas of Opus 2, composed in the years around 1794, to Opus 22, which was written in 1800. The middle period is the period in which Beethoven, across all his works, shows a distinct move away from simply trying to extend classical models to actually breaking them in order to create entirely new forms. In exploring the middle period sonatas in this program, we'll hear recordings from the 1960s stereo release of the complete Beethoven sonatas made by Wilhelm Kempf, recently re-released by Deutsche Grammophon. The first three piano sonatas of this period all date from 1801. The A-flat sonata, Opus 26, is sometimes called the Funeral March Sonata. The composer himself titled the sonata's slow movement as a funeral march for the death of a hero. A preoccupation with the heroic is a feature of the music of the middle period, reaching its high point in the Third Symphony, the heroic Third Symphony, Eroica in Italian and the first version of his opera, Fidelio. The Opus 26 Sonata also experiments with formal structure, placing the funeral march movement third and preceding it with this captivating scherzo.
his desire to develop and even break the sonata mould for his own expressive ends, the Funeral March Sonata was quickly followed by a pair of sonatas published as Beethoven's Opus 27. Both of these were called Sonata Quasi Una Fantasia, meaning a sonata in the form of, or, or like, a fantasia. Here, the movement structure is altered even further in ways which no other composer of the time would have dared. The first of the Opus 27 Fantasia sonatas in E-flat has four movements, but they're all connected, meaning the oral effect is of a single piece with contrasting segments lasting more than a quarter of an hour. Its finale starts like this. The second of the two Fantasia sonatas in C-sharp minor is even more radical, having only three movements in increasing tempos, slow, moderate and very fast. The opening slow movement of Opus 27 number 2 is one of Beethoven's most famous and beautiful creations. Long after the composer's lifetime, this mesmerising music spawned the sonata's famous nickname of Moonlight.
these three sonatas were joined by a fourth, also dating from 1801. The Opus 28 Sonata in D major has four movements and follows in the footsteps of the grand sonatas like Opus 7. Its nickname of pastoral, again, doesn't come from Beethoven, but seems to have been added in an English edition which appeared only a few years after the Viennese publication. Certainly the opening of the first movement conveys a gentler, more pastoral tone. The following year, 1802, Beethoven wrote three piano sonatas which were published together as his Opus 31. 1802 was a crisis year, when at the age of only 31, he accepted that his hearing would not improve, a realisation which led him to write the document now called the Heiligenstadt Testament. In this, he poured out his fears for the future, his anger and sense of horror at what was happening to him, and thoughts of suicide. This crisis led him to accept that a performing career would become increasingly difficult and eventually impossible, and the composition would be his own heroic response to his disability. These sonatas and the defiantly powerful Second Symphony were among the works which resulted. A vital feature of Beethoven's music from this time on is his experimentation with modulation to keys other than the dominant in a sonata form movement. The dominant, the key five steps above the home key, was the usual key to which music moved in the course of a movement. Now he had the music move in unusual ways, often to keys three steps above or three steps below the home key. And the first movement of the first of the Opus 31 sonatas does exactly this, moving from G major to B major and B minor. Thank you. 
The other two sonatas of Opus 31 have nicknames, The Tempest and The Hunt, and all three appeared in print in 1803. There's a much quoted line from this time in Beethoven's life. In 1802, right at the time he was grappling with his deafness and writing the Opus 31 sonatas, he said to his friend Wenzel Krumpholz, From now on, I'm going to take a new path. The Tempest and Hunt sonatas are direct manifestations of this, but with completely different outcomes. The Tempest sonata got its nickname from a casual remark Beethoven made to his pupil and later biographer Schindler, suggesting that he read Shakespeare's The Tempest in order to understand this sonata, and a later one, The Appassionata. It's assumed Beethoven was being dismissive here, but Schindler took him seriously and the name stuck. The Tempest Sonata is certainly dramatic. But the final sonata in the set, The Hunt, is radically different again. It's hard to believe that this was written at the same time, let alone from the year which led to the melancholy Heiligenstadt Testament. Thank you. 
this point in the published sequence of Beethoven's piano sonatas, there appears to be a retrograde step. In 1805, he delved back into his manuscripts to find two unpublished piano sonatas written around 1797, nearly a decade before. Each of these has only two movements, and they're on a much lighter, smaller scale than the radical experimental works of the middle period. Beethoven was keenly aware that while big, groundbreaking virtuosic sonatas suited his purposes and those of other highly gifted pianists, they were not what the average music-loving amateur would want to play, or even be able to play, at home. And while he was a creative genius of the first order, he also had to make a living. So these two smaller sonatas were clearly designed for the domestic market. He may even have used them as teaching pieces. Because these two sonatas weren't published until 1805, they have the misleadingly high opus number of 49. They were actually written between opus 2 and opus 7. They're charming, engaging pieces, but not terribly demanding. The second movement of the second sonata is a gentle minuet, which Beethoven reused in his highly popular Septet of 1799. In 1803, two years before Opus 49 appeared in print, Beethoven was given a new piano. The Erhard Company had been developing the piano from the small five-octave instrument then widely in use, which today we'd probably call a forte piano, into a larger and stronger instrument with a greater range and several innovations. One of these was making the sustain mechanism possible by use of a foot pedal something we now take for granted, rather than by the use of a lever under the keyboard activated by raising the knee. Erard gave Beethoven one of their new pianos, and the composer was enraptured. The first work he wrote for it was his next piano sonata, the Sonata in C, published in 1805 as his Opus 53, with a dedication to Count Ferdinand von Waldstein, and forever after known as the Waldstein Sonata. Thank you. 
The Waldstein Sonata is one of Beethoven's most powerful and demanding works for the piano. But soon afterwards, he took an unexpected creative turn and produced this, his next sonata, which was published as his Opus 54. As in the little sonatas of Opus 49, written much earlier, this uses the elegance of the minuet as the starting point for a movement, although in this case, it's the first movement. Sonata can strike us as odd, especially as it comes right after the Waldstein. The Waldstein is a monumental and challenging three-movement work, lasting 25 minutes in its final version. It was much longer with the original slow movement, which the composer later removed, and which is now a standalone piece called the Andante Favori. By contrast, Opus 54 reverts to the two-movement structure of some of Beethoven's smaller and earlier sonatas and lasts about 12 minutes. But on closer inspection, Opus 54 is actually very radical in its own understated way. The two-movement structure looks ahead as much as it looks back, as Beethoven would use it, or a variation of it, in his late sonatas. And neither movement of Opus 54 is in strict sonata form. Only two other piano sonatas in his output share this feature. Opus 54 is seeking new paths, a feature which can be missed all too easily. The Opus 54 sonata is not often heard today, and its unusual structure may be part of the reason. Another reason is possibly because it comes between two of Beethoven's biggest and best-known sonatas, each of which has a nickname, unlike Opus 54, which doesn't. Coming after the mighty Waldstein is one thing, but being followed by the Appassionata is something else. The title Appassionata isn't Beethoven's, but was added by a publisher after the composer's death. But the sonata itself is on the scale of the Waldstein, three movements lasting about 25 minutes. But the outer movements represent some of his most powerful and technically demanding writing for the piano, no doubt part of the reason for its fame.
Just as the massive Waldstein Sonata was followed by the shorter two-movement Opus 54, so the Appassionata was followed by a shorter two-movement sonata. But the big difference here is that after writing the Appassionata, Beethoven waited four years before composing his next sonata, which was written in 1809 and published in 1810 as his Opus 78. He was hardly idle in those four years, though, during which the Third Symphony, the Eroica, had its premiere, and the Fourth, Fifth and Sixth Symphonies were composed, along with the Mass in C, the Opus 69 Cello Sonata, the two Opus 70 Piano Trios, the three Rezimovsky Quartets, and the first version of Fidelio, and much else besides. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When he returned to writing piano sonatas in 1809, Beethoven was suffering, along with the rest of Vienna, the bombardments of Napoleon's army. It was during these frightening times that Haydn died, and yet Beethoven produced some of his most radiant music in that year, including the harp string quartet and three piano sonatas. The short two-movement F-sharp major sonata, Opus 78, was the first of these. It has the subtitle Für Therese, for Therese, which is just an indication of its dedication to Therese von Brunswick, one of the two sisters with whom he was on close terms. It's a gem, and despite being very short, the finale is a challenge for any pianist who would take it on.
The middle sonata of the three composed in 1809 seems on the surface to come from an earlier time. Beethoven's sketches for it, though, clearly date it to this period, and its gentler, more congenial style is explained in a note next to the sketches. Sonata facile, easy sonata. It seems, then, that he wrote this work, like several others, for the domestic market or perhaps for teaching. It should go without saying, perhaps, that no Beethoven sonata is really easy, but it certainly inhabits a more approachable and conventional world than most of the composer's other mature works. This extends to the composer's description of the first movement as a Tedesca, a German dance. Bombardment of Vienna in 1809 has a direct connection with the third piano sonata Beethoven composed in that year, the E-flat major sonata published as Opus 81A. Despite his well-known disdain of birth and inherited rank, Beethoven had many aristocratic supporters and pupils. One of the most exalted was the Archduke Rudolf of Austria. Beethoven not only taught the Archduke piano and composition, he was a particularly good pianist by all reports, but he genuinely liked the man. They had a close friendship, which the normal hidebound expectations of class and nobility would not have encouraged in early 19th century Vienna. Rudolf supported Beethoven financially, along with a handful of other wealthy patrons, and was rewarded by the dedication of a number of the composer's greatest works. The Archduke Trio's title refers to him, and the Missa Solemnis was conceived for Rudolf's enthronement as Archbishop of Olmütz. The Emperor Concerto, the Hammerklavier Sonata, and many other works were dedicated to him. But this sonata, Opus 81a, is perhaps the most personal expression of their friendship. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Rudolf was just one of the nobles of Vienna who left the city during the bombardments of 1809. His departure, absence and return were marked by Beethoven in the Opus 81A Sonata, which is usually known by the French title of Les Adieux, The Farewell. For the first and only time in the piano sonatas, Beethoven wrote a work with an extra musical meaning, a programme. To make this programme unmistakably clear, he uses a little musical cell right at the start of the first movement. It's based on a horn call, such as one would hear on a coach, and he even wrote each syllable of the word Lebe Vol, farewell, over the three notes. Beethoven gave the three movements titles, Farewell, Absence and Return. And the short central movement reflecting a Vienna without the Archduke is particularly touching. It's with the Farewell Sonata that we say farewell to this survey of Beethoven's middle period piano sonatas. We'll conclude with the end of this sonata, marking the Archduke's return. The sonatas which follow from Opus 90 inhabit a very different world, both politically, a Europe after Napoleon, and artistically, in which Beethoven treads unique and sometimes mysterious paths. Those we'll leave to another time. Wilhelm Kempf is one of the legendary names in the history of piano performance. He lived from 1895 to 1991, and his recorded legacy includes three Beethoven sonata cycles. The first, recorded on shellac, was made between 1926 and 1945. The second, on shellac and mono LPs, was made between 1951 and 1956, and the third, in stereo, made in the mid-1960s. The recordings used in this program come from the 1960s stereo set, recently remastered and re-released by Deutsche Grammophon. 
Technical production for this program is by Tom Ford. And my name's Graham Abbott. Happy listening.